Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast, where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. I'm your host, Jerome Rand. Welcome aboard the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. Coming to you from Michigan. Is that too corny to say welcome aboard instead of welcome to the show? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. We'll have to We'll have to just mull that one over. We want to have that kind of catchphrase beginning, I guess, but today... I am presenting you with my cousin Nick for a return to the podcast. He just went out on a five-week living out of his truck uh, sort of journey out west. And we talked a lot about not only kind of where he went and some of the places and some of the experiences he's had, um, but I think the core of the conversation was really about getting out of your comfort zone and sort of shaking things up a bit. And, you know, that that's definitely something he and I um, have talked about before. So it was kind of a fun subject to dive into. I obviously take myself out of my own comfort zone enough that my comfort zone becomes actually where I used to take myself out of it, uh, if that makes any sense. You know, in the beginning, you get a little nerve wrack going way offshore, and now way offshore is far more comfortable for me than being back on land. I feel fidgety, and <laughs> I feel kind of out of place, if you will. But I think uh, a journey uh, the American road trip, if it's not too cliche, is something that's very, I don't, I, I don't want to say healing, but I want to say it's like a coming of age thing. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, when I think about all the times I've crisscrossed this great, great nation of ours, uh, it's astronomical. I did most of it back when I was in my late teens and early 20s. Lots of trips out to Oregon. Uh, lots of trips out to Montana, you know, the, the good, like two, three day sort of road trip. And I had often pondered about what it would be like to go and do, you know, one of these trips where essentially you're, you're taking weeks and weeks to go and do it. And obviously I've done it on foot, uh, on the Appalachian trail, I've done a lot of ocean stuff like that, where you're, you're fully committed to it, but a, a road trip, where you're out to see some sites, find some new things, uh, get into a little trouble. You never know. Uh, it can be a pretty crazy, crazy place. I think that's, I think that's something that is warranted and easy enough. Uh, it's within everybody's reach to be able to hit the American road. There's just something about it. This country's so huge. It's so vast. It's so variant. You know, you go from the New England coast down to the Florida coast, you go over the Appalachians, you go into the Great Plains, the Badlands, the Rockies, the Pacific coast, the Western deserts, Southwest deserts, um, the lowlands, the low country. I mean, there really is uh, a huge variance of beautiful, not only terrain, but towns, places, people. Sometimes I think people forget about just how remarkable a piece of land that uh, that we call home right now is. And it is. It's it's something that, that can teach us a lot and show us a lot of experiences. But 
don't know. That's what we we sort of get into, and it was it was really interesting to listen to how how it sort of helped him, and how how it it's it's a way I think for people to. I don't know, gives gives you a little bit of time to sort things out in your brain. It gives you some perspective. You know, you when you obviously when you're on the road, you're sort of in a different sort of mind sense. Uh, if you listen to any of the 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 droning on that I did in that podcast where I was doing it from the road coming back from Cape Cod, <clears throat> you would know that, yeah, it's it, it it's a great time to just ponder and and think of things and sort through stuff. Obviously, the Appalachian Trail, you're in your head for 10, 12 hours a day, and then you're sitting at a campsite alone, continuing the feat of self-examination and things like that. Uh, And the ocean, I think, as well is like that. But when you find yourself in a place out in nature with a beautiful backdrop, you find those out west, lakes and mountains and all that stuff, and it's all yours. It's empty. It's it's absolutely isolating i think that's that's a special place in time to find yourself in no cell service no distractions just you mother nature and your thoughts really and sometimes it's kind of funny and i find this when i'm out uh, out on the sea you know we we talked a little bit about how the view out on the ocean really is dependent upon the sky more than anything. The, you know, the waves will change. They'll get big. They'll get small. They'll go flat. But that view is is very localized. But when you go out west, you see for sometimes what seems like hundreds of miles. I mean, you see these peaks that are so far away, and the sky seems so big, and the view is just it's it's throwing a lot at you. Um, and one of my favorite things to do out at sea is basically sit amidships when I'm not getting splashed by the waves, but we're sailing and there's good wave action and I can sit amidships and lean back and put my foot up on the old lifeline and just kick back. I have this one clip that I often look at from my early days of solo sailing where I was just doing the training going from place to place down in the Caribbean and essentially trying to learn the craft, if you will. And there were a lot of times when, yeah, I essentially would just uh, sit in that position. And in this clip, I can hear some old Mighty Sparrow album that was on the old Bluetooth speaker. And I remember it. I remember that day. I remember that feeling. It brings me right back to it. It's, it's so amazing how music can do that. Uh, but I see the scene, and I, I wish I would have had a better camera because the it's a real shaky clip, or else I'd share it with everybody. But essentially, it's just the ocean waves floating in. And I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I would find that that favorite little spot. And, you know, I'm nowhere near land. I've got days or whatever, weeks sometimes, to before I have any of the pressures of that sort of coming back. And Essentially, you find yourself in this this very quieted place, and sometimes the thoughts seem to dissipate and disappear completely. Whereas you're not you're not on this sort of trip to sort things out. Your brain has just gone quiet, and you get to just sort of take it in. You know, harking back to that childlike mental state that I find myself in when I go offshore, where you just everything slows down. Time seems to slow down. You can just watch the clouds and you can be happy with that. And your brain isn't trying to 
run you straight off of a cliff like it seems to be sometimes in this world of absolute chaos and information flowing to everybody. I think uh, our brains are just now starting to cope with it, if they even can, or maybe they're showing signs of absolute catastrophic collapse, <laughs> you know, as these generations of, of humans that have now had computers and screens and all that in their pockets for their whole lives get older and older. I guess we'll, we'll find out what, what really happens, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I have to find my little escape out there. And Nick found his escape out on the open road uh, on this this five week trip. Uh, it was pretty pretty darn cool. I saw it on his Instagram. Uh, I don't know if it, it's open to the public or anything like that. Um, I'll I'll put a link to it in the. Well, I don't know. I I guess I don't know. yeah. We'll have to figure that one out. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Not everybody wants to uh, have their stuff thrown right out. But in any event, um, it was great to have Nick back on the show. Big thanks for spending a little bit of time sitting down and chatting with me. Hopefully you all enjoy this conversation uh, about the road trip out west. Before I start the show, like I always say, if you want to help support this podcast, keep it ad-free, keep it uh, going long into the future and keep the guests coming. Consider becoming part of the Patreon family. The link is in the description. Thank you all so much, those of you who have continued to support this podcast and the content that I'm trying desperately to create and keep going into the future. We do have two links, one for PayPal, one for Venmo, for anybody that wants to just throw a little donation towards the old fight to keep Mighty Sparrow alive and going back out to sea and all that sort of stuff. Uh, need new sails, need a whole lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, it uh, takes quite a bit. It takes quite a bit of help. So those links are there for anybody that doesn't want to sign up for a subscription-based sort of thing, but it's much appreciated. We get donations every now and again, and it is a pretty good feeling. So I appreciate those who have done it in the past. We've still got the merch line out there and all that sort of stuff. Uh, link in the description as well. And if you just want to reach out to the show, sailingintooblivion.com. Follow the podcast button and uh, contact the show. Those go directly to me. Other than that, we're still working on a few other projects I don't want to talk too much about, but hopefully they will be available in the coming months. Some new cool stuff to get. And uh, that's pretty much it. So hopefully you enjoy the show and enjoy the conversation with Nick about the open road. Thanks for listening. And we're live. Whoa, there we go. Welcome to the, welcome back to the show. Good morning. Cousin Nick. Fine, sir. Squire of David. Thank no, you it's for not having me. <laughs> you want to move that mic a little closer? Give me a little yeah, the, check. check one, two. There we go. All right. The, the secret is to get comfortable then bring it to you bring it to you oh god no no you're all right it, it has a little play in it you can uh there's a little knob on the yeah i see that on the heel of that thing if you want but yeah i uh thank you these things um you know i initially started out with pretty basic mics and everything yeah and then, i think uh, i remember seeing you first set up yeah 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 because we did uh we did the one about new zealand and we stuff. did but yeah. i thought we had these i don't i don't know i just remember at one point in time you showed me something and it was just very small and basic and plugged into the computer yeah and there was a point where you know because all that stuff is usb ports and all that and eventually it just uh it kept crashing the the program yeah and you'd be sitting here trying to do a podcast have you know you'd be getting into like an in-depth thing and be like yeah you know 
when my uncle passed away and then I'd be like, oh, wait, hold on. We got a <laughs> hit boss. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Just lost the story. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, uh, but yeah. So no, this, and honestly, all this stuff uh, comes from uh, the listeners. Oh, cool. Like the supporters uh, of yeah. Patreon stuff and everything like this. This little uh, Zoom mama, not microphone, but I guess it is a microphone because it has like this is a mic under here. So you just take this unit. Oh, yeah. And just instead like of these. Yeah. yeah. That's how I did uh, all the recordings on this last boat because I didn't want to take all this stuff with me. Oh, cool. Um, the sound quality is not as good. Super good. But like if you ever listen to Radio Lab or something like that, when they're in the field. That's what they're using. That's what they're using. And they it does a really good job. It's, yeah. It's pretty cool, man. That's perfect. For a Thanksgiving morning uh, podcast, question on that note. Do you eat anything leading up to Thanksgiving dinner? Oh. Or do you abstain? I kind of abstain, I think. I mean, unless I'm, let's say I wake up at family's house or something like that, and they're making some breakfast. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get into that for sure. But right, then right. I don't think we're really eating lunch. Maybe snacking a little bit. Well, there's football on too, right? Y- yeah, yeah. I'm Which I'm, I've never... Never really gotten into it. Too yeah. Bad, yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the college, you know, the, uh, the coming weekend. But um, yeah, don't really get into that. But snacking a little bit for sure. But usually it's at least two servings for Thanksgiving. So, and I know that going into it. So, yeah, it's sort of like, let's let's do this. Yeah. Dude, you think that's snow out on the uh, well, over the lake gonna... or is that fog? I think it's fog. I think the rain, there's a little bit of like rainy mist in the air. Yeah. But you, do you think it's cold? It's not cold enough to freeze yet, huh? Well, I don't know. It could there be snow. snow. I don't think yeah. it's supposed to snow. I think later this week it might. That's what I The about. brisk chill of a northern Michigan morning. Yeah. I mean, some mornings, what, what was that? A couple of years ago we woke up and there was like, we got like three feet of snow or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's been an odd, uh, odd bunch of winters up here. I mean, I haven't been up here for the whole winter, but yeah. um, I don't know. I seem to remember having to plow the driveway a lot in the past, and not so much in the last like three years. It's we. It seems to me, having lived up here now for a few years, that we'll get these big snowstorms. And then it just... And then it just dies out. Yeah. And then in February, we'll get snow. It'll rain. It'll freeze. Yeah. It'll snow yeah. again. Oh, God. And that's happened like the past couple Februaries. Like, just for two days, it's just terrible. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I don't think that it has... It's not as big of winter as... I don't know. Although, I said that, I think, the other year, and somebody was like, no, we still hit the same record we did, like, the year before. Like, temperature-wise and snowfall-wise? And snowfall-wise, yeah. but it's just... It's more of, like, big snowstorms instead of, like, spread out. Well, I think we're in a, a an El Nino year now after being in La Nina for a decade or something or more. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I know it's all just sea surface temperatures and stuff like that, mostly in the Pacific that... that or the driving force of that, but it changes absolutely everything around the globe as far as where they're getting rain, where they're getting heat and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Like we often talk about the, the Gulf stream and how insane it's uh, presence is felt throughout right. pretty much the whole Northern hemisphere. Really? I mean, 
Well, we were looking at we that were, last night. We yeah, were, yeah. yeah. And I was going to say, it's, I mean, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, and it's just, it's so hot. Like, when you go out there and you get into it on a boat, you can be up in, you know, north of it, and it's like 40 degrees out, and you can just suddenly cross a line in the water. And you feel it. And now it's 75. Wow. And you'll get these wafts of cold air that still hit you every once in a while. Yeah. But then if you feel the water, it's super warm. Takes on a totally different color, all this sort of stuff, and then once you get past it, it shifts back. Uh, well, not, it goes, yeah. It's it's not as warm, but you've pretty much you've crossed the barrier. So so when we do our trips down to the Caribbean and stuff, um, the first few days out from say Charleston or something might be cold, really cold, especially if you have a north wind. But as soon as you cross that stream, it's like, well, we're we're in the Caribbean kind of yeah. now wow. for the whole rest of the way down and. I don't know. It was always a pretty funny thing because you had to bring all the cold the weather, cold weather gear, gear. But you're only going to use it for like two days and then it's like, woo. But when you need it. When you need, oh my God, dude, this last trip. Freezing. We're call, so we left, we left uh, the Gulf. We, we had to cross the Gulf of Maine and go to, there's a canal, a man-made canal that cuts across Cape Cod. And essentially that first, it was like 24 hours to get down there and we just motored. No wind to speak of, but it snowed like it oh. was uh, it was like 30 degrees. And when you're sitting in the cockpit just, and it's just I was wearing every stitch of clothes I had, two pairs of socks, hat, baklava, everything. And, and you don't have any type of like there's not like little portable heater or anything. Eh, not not with this boat. It, you know, once you're up, you're behind like the Dodger. So okay. it cuts any induced wind that you're, sure. you're seeing. But uh down below, I think there must have been a heater on this boat, but we had the engine going, so that sort of gives okay. you a, a little up. residual down below. Yep. But, I mean, we had those hand warmers. Like, I had to have them in my hand. I kept, like, pressing them up against my boot. Dude, I, I used, I took, I was glad that I took hand warmers on this last trip because, I, or, and, and toe warmers. Oh, I definitely you had them? Oh, yeah. okay. There were yeah, a few nights. You were, <clears throat> excuse me, you were, you were up at altitude. Yeah, that was the thing. Because it was, it was funny, I was looking at a lot of the temps, and when I, when I knew I was going to get to Stanley, I looked at it before I had gotten into Idaho, and that uh -huh. was the one spot. It was like 70 around certain areas, and like 60s and stuff like that, and then there was like 30 and 40. Really? Yeah, and so I knew the longer I stayed out, and w once I got there, it was going to be Because cool. it is, yeah. I mean, it was the fall. And I guess, uh, just for, for the listener's sake, um, do you want to do a quick, like, uh, synopsis of the 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 actual trip, where you went, and how long you went? Yeah, so I I did a basically a big road trip out west. Road trip in! And uh, Love it. it ended up being around five weeks. Um, I left from... Michigan, northern Michigan, mm -hmm. and I went up through the UP. Uh, we did a night up there and then crossed over. Uh, we basically were trying to get to Montana as quickly as we could. And I say we. My brother went with me for the first five days yeah. to basically get me to Montana. Your little training wheels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, hey, Will you wow, help man. me? <laughs> well, because I some of this trip, uh, some of it's kind of like freaking, you know, the proverbial uh, soul searching, absolutely kind of thing. Which yeah. I mean, the Great American Road Trip is really there's something about that. The, I mean, it's not just in the movies that yeah. you know. No, it's real. People come of age <laughs> on the road. <laughs> you really do. Uh, and I had never done anything like that. 
I think it was a really cool opportunity for him to go with me because we'd never done anything like that together, just yeah. like him and I, like even just a trip. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I was there was a lot of uh, a lot of good things about that. But basically, we got into North Dakota, um, and we stayed a night there. Then we pushed into Montana, and that's where the that's where the good stuff, you know, that's where the fun started to happen. But essentially, I went from Montana into Idaho, uh, northern Idaho then over to Washington and down to Oregon, back into Idaho, over to a little bit into Utah, up into Wyoming, like Jackson Hole area, yeah, into the Badlands, and then um, came back into the Midwest. Uh, and I, I, I stayed south this time, so I went you know, around like Chicago. Oh, okay, right, right, right. I had right. some like, meetings in Grand Rapids uh, on the way home, and so, and then back up. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Dude, the the road, man, it's, uh, I don't know, there's something, it's like, it's funny because I I didn't even think about this, but yeah, I mean, I've been out there doing, obviously, the the speaking stuff and and just primarily East Coast, but still, you're seeing new new sites, new towns, new places all the time, but you had, you had the full-on rig with that truck. Yeah. And, and that was like full sleeper, like. Full, yeah, so basically, um when I, I essentially like offloaded everything, right? Went out, not that I advise buying a new truck, but there's something fun about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so bought this truck and, and new. And what kind is it? It's a Toyota Tundra. Tundra. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's a, it's a beast. It's yeah. big. And um, it's made, yeah. I mean, that's an actual truck that can handle some dirt. Yeah. Paths yeah. And, and, and I, I didn't really, you know, I think some of that inspiration to get the truck originally just came from I've, I've driven Jeeps all my life and mine was just, it was time to move on. From it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and tired old fella. Uh, so I started looking into trucks just from the utility standpoint of like, you know, I've got a lot of gear. We're hauling boats in the summer and stuff like that. And, uh, but I've always been an SUV guy, but I don't know. I started driving them around or test driving them. And I was like, well, these things are pretty bad. It's kind of nice. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, nice, man. So, but I knew this thing. Yeah. I, I wanted to. And then once this trip idea kind of started, uh, you know, coming together, I was like, yeah, this truck would be great for that. I think a lot of people like I was basically doing dispersed camping. Yeah. Yeah. But they also call it like overlanding. I mean, I don't really know if I was overlanding in a sense. Boondocking. Boondocking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was definitely not like rock crawling or anything like that. <laughs> right, you, right. You need a way different truck for that. But, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, I built this thing out where um, basically had this uh, bed rack that held all the storage and I had, it held like a mini shower and extra water and, Oh wow! You know, yeah, all this like gear. Shower. That's yeah, crazy. yeah. And then I, um, I essentially went out and I got this rooftop tent, um, uh-huh. and my mine was comfortable. Like it was, it was essentially a queen width, king length. Like you know, you could you could open the whole thing up for a three sixty degree view. Oh wow! It had every storage compartment you think. And that of. sits, yeah, because it sits on top. Because like looking at the truck from here, yeah, that would have sat well on the on the top of the cab and then gone back over some support. So basically, the rack sits on your bed, right? Uh-huh. And then this this sits right on top of it. So it oh, does creep okay. a little bit over your roof line, yeah, and extends back a little bit. I mean, I I got one of the biggest 
rooftop. Well, many your stature. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, you're what six six two six two. Yeah, no, oh, you're shrinking. I you know used I to be six three. <laughs> Welcome to middle age, yeah. pal. It starts early. <laughs> But yeah, I, I wanted to, I did a ton of research. Actually, I, I leaned into my brother-in-law. He's the one who, uh, he's got a uh, an older Toyota Tundra. And this thing's just, I mean, he's, beast. He, oh, dude, he's got huge tires on it and lifts. And, but uh, he had a rack Michigan and thing. Yeah, he had right. a big rooftop tent. And that helped kind of inspire like the, the initial like setup of the rig and like what I wanted to get into. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, I leaned to him for like a lot of questions about like the gear and like what they used and what he liked and disliked and some of the companies to look into. Uh-huh. I mean, it's a whole, I mean, the industry's huge and yeah, I, I yeah, never yeah. really, well, I mean, about it, it. you know, with all the, all the van life stuff and yeah. all that, that, that culture almost you could call it. Absolutely. Um, there's definitely the opportunity to, but I, I think, I think with the truck though, it's a little different. It seems I don't know. Seemed when I saw pictures on Instagram, I thought more of like safari action. Yeah, it's uh, a little more rugged. Like, up. Yeah, I mean, I I thought about vans at one point, mm-hmm. but I knew that I also wanted a daily driver, basically, and something that I could use to haul some of the gear once you know in the summer, like yeah, move yeah, a boat yeah. here and there, stuff right. like that. So that's why I went the truck route. But at the same time, I knew that if I'm if I'm going to do this, I want to be comfortable. <coughs> I knew I was going to be out there for several weeks at least. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was five five and a half weeks. It, it was like five weeks. Five weeks. Yeah. It's a long time to be it like living out of a vehicle. Yeah. Well, and when I finally built the rig out, and it was essentially I had all the gear. I slept in the tent for more than two months. Because, oh wow every night yeah every night because when i got it and i finally set it up i was like well i better get used to this thing so for like <laughs> a few weeks leading up i slept in it and then when i basically came back and you know had to come back to reality i also didn't have a place lined up just yet so yeah because you you literally like you cashed it in you sold the house sold everything yeah sold the house like, sold the car sold furniture like i i definitely had some things i threw in like you know to storage but yeah yeah I kind of offloaded everything. Just freaking went for it, dude. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> so, I, I, it's a scary feeling though, isn't it? It Where was like, I was signing things away. Like, yeah, I was definitely like scared. Of, I mean, there was a point in time where I was just like, I'm getting rid of all of it. You know, you get into that mindset. Yeah. I, but it was interesting on the trip. I think it was like week. I was like three and a half weeks in. Uh-huh. And I was, I, I recall sitting at this spot uh, that I had found and I ended up staying there for a couple of days because it was one of those like really uh, desolate spots and you didn't have any service or anything like that. But I was messing around with the drone and I took this photo and it was me just, you know, sitting. I kind of set up camp, but that's pretty easy. Like that was the nice thing about this setup was like literally you could you could find your spot, park, you pop your tent in less than a minute. Like yeah. your bed and everything's set. I would open this awning, pop my chair out, my little like portable fire pit. And like literally within five minutes, like I'm chilling. Yeah. You you got your little homestead. Yeah. You're ready to go and hang out. And I took this photo and I was sitting there and I recall like just go like flipping through that night and it came up and I was just like, wow, you know, a month ago I had this big home and all this land and all these things and toys and you know, all this stuff. And now I'm sitting here. And I'm absolutely perfectly content and I'm living out 
basically the back of this truck. Yeah, yeah. And it's just everything's so like simple and I don't have much, but I have so much at the same time. So yeah, it was like the epiphany moment of it really I'm was just like, wow. Cause it, you know, when you're making sort of those life, life altering decisions, um, you know, and I, I've had to make a few obviously for like some of my sailing trips and stuff, but you know, I think, I think in a lot of situations we get ourselves into these comfort zones yeah, uh, that, you know, are sort of surrounded by things like homes and, and let's just say like toys and stuff like that, where you're like, oh, this is this is my key to happiness is having this wall of these things. And and you start to almost think like you need them. Yeah. And and they become like a security blanket. But then, yeah, like I said, it's a it's an interesting feeling when you when you basically break free of all that. And do it in, in the fashion you did. I mean, you know, there's some people that obviously are in a financial position or whatever where they can they can do both, I suppose. Sure. So you still have that home base somewhere. Yeah. Um, but then you're not really feeling that freedom in its purest form where you're like, I got nowhere to go. I got, there's no like point of reference anymore. It's just sort of like the open, open road. I mean, you, you kept your, you took like a sabbatical from work. Well, I, I don't know if that's the right word or not. That's a big one for me. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> uh, no. Um, I mean, kind of, but not really. I, I, I worked. Um, I ended up using, actually, before I went on the trip, I changed my cell phone plan so I could have a hotspot, like, a you know, enough data. Oh, and, okay, yeah. Um, that's what I used quite a bit, actually, because I didn't really end up going into towns and, like, coffee shops. I did that once, and somehow I ended up at the one coffee shop that doesn't offer internet. <laughs> All right. Well, Hey, out West, man, it's, uh, yeah, it's different, you know, different time. Like, no. but different you know time. what that led me to was I ended up at this library in downtown Missoula, Montana. Oh, cool. Beautiful library and free Wi-Fi, uh, great clean bathrooms, quiet. And I was able to go in there and like work and then kind of map out where I was heading next. But I had no idea that about, I hadn't been in a library in years. It's, uh, it was great. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> There's that whole public service of, you know, and, and, you know, here in Petoskey, um, well, the library in Petoskey was the old one was one of the, the Carnegie or Carnegie yeah. ones that he built, you know, like 5,000 of them back in the day. Um, and the one in Petoskey was one of those, but up in Rockland, I, I utilized that for almost the same thing. I had to do a, uh, a online virtual presentation a couple of years ago. And yeah, I hadn't been in a library in forever. And I'm sort of like, there's people, you know, there's books everywhere. Everybody's, yeah. it's, it's, I, it was far more of a beehive of activity than, cause I don't know. I, I guess back in our day, yeah, we, you had to go to the library. That was where you get all the books and stuff. Right. And now, you know, you just jump on your phone, jump on your phone. Computer. You've got, you've got the entire library of the world on that little device. Between the library and visitor centers, that's what I, I actually, oh, I really oh. loved going into, because my, uh, I would say my, I mean, when we went on a trip to New Zealand, we had to use a hard copy map, right? Like, yeah, we, there, there were really, phones. What year was that? Two, that was 2004? 2005, I 2005, think. yeah. So it would have been pre-iPhone. So yeah, you basically had an atlas for New Zealand and like that's what you're flipping through, right? Yeah, I don't not one of us had a cell phone. No. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to the, the those spots where you could pay for 
internet for like an hour or something. And that's where we'd like send our emails. Internet back to cafe. Internet yeah, cafe. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, I remember those. I remember the ones in Queenstown for yeah. sure. But so when we left, my brother was like, hey, every time we cross a state line, we should get their map. And especially when we got into Montana. And that's what we did. And that's what I ended up doing for the rest of the trip. Just going off the map. It just going nice, off the map. Dude, I mean, nice. I certainly used my phone at times. Yeah. Um, but the map was the one that really, I, I, it, I did find like certain areas or I really use that for the like scenic byways. I always tried to basically take the road like either less traveled as you'd say yeah, or yeah. Uh, anything scenic, anything that would take longer than normal. But that was always, that always ended up being like the best option. But going into these visitor centers, the not only do they have a ton of information, obviously, and maps and things like that, but it was all these, these like really sweet older ladies, and they were just oh, like, well, what, are you, yeah. what, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'm just trying to get a map." And they're like, "Well, where are you from?" And and then you tell them kind of what you're doing, and man, they they just wanted to like sit down and show you all the, you know, they're oh, you got to go here and yeah, check right. this spot out. And that actually, there was this one lady when I got into Washington, she really pointed me in a lot of really cool directions. Local knowledge, man. Local. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, she just, she loved it. So it was pretty <coughs> fun. Yeah, you're not going to get that sort of service from Siri no. or Alexa. No, my Google phone's <laughs> not going to tell me. <laughs> not at all. Well, and I don't know, man. There's something to be said about that. I mean, I, I try not to uh, get on that you know, anti-smartphone train because I know I go off the rails and I talk about it a lot, but I mean, this is a prime example because, you know, when I, I remember Ina and I did the drive from Charleston up to Michigan one year, I think it was for Christmas or something. Yeah. And uh, when she got in the car, I was like, hey, we're not doing, we're not doing road maps or uh, we're not doing Google navigation maps, so, yeah. stuff. I was like, here's an atlas. And she was like, what? <laughs> how do you, even how do you, <laughs> how do you do this? I was like, you'll figure it out. And I showed her some of the things, showed her the legend and stuff. And it was a full like uh, the US one. So yeah. It was a booklet, but yeah. it was fun. I mean, and it, you know, it kind of got her out of her comfort zone because she, uh, we'd be coming up to like Cincinnati and there'd be construction on the bridge or something. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, we got to reroute. And she's like, what? <laughs> flipping through the thing she's like i want to get my phone i'm like no yeah no that's awesome that's really cool yeah you right? did that yeah it uh and it, i don't know i think i think at the end of it in in a little bit of a way she was kind of proud to be able to make it you know there's across our great country via a piece of paper there's something really cool about it yeah dude. it, it definitely um there's some i guess in the overall scheme of things i think I think technology can be really helpful, especially like emergencies or whatever. Sure. But, you know, when you're when you're trying to experience something in life, i.e. a road trip or an adventure or something yeah. like that, the old timey ways, man, they're uh, Yeah, disconnect. I mean it allows you to disconnect it and, and be part of it. Like yeah. there's something about having that and I find on on a boat all the time, it's like you you've got that chart, you're marking it down every three hours, like you're watching your path. You're not looking at a screen telling you what's doing yeah. and what's going on. You, you're, you're part of this because if you don't sit there and update that thing, and if you don't, you know, same with a, a road atlas, if you're not paying attention to those squiggly little lines, right? All of a sudden, you're, you're just lost. I don't know. It's, I, 
I think it's cool, man. It's like it's like adding a little bit of work to something like that, but in a great way. Yeah, you got to put a little effort in, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. And and that was we we actually when we got into Montana, we drove the Bear Tooth Mountain Pass, and that's like one of the byways or scenic. Dude. Yeah, was, yeah, and and great name and phenomenal scenery. Like <sighs> it was incredible. I mean, we we constantly like there was Andy Andy was kind of documenting some of that, you know, just like doing little like video clips and photos and stuff which was yeah. really great to have him uh there because the kid's super creative so and talented. talented yeah oh yeah and, no for sure but there was this moment where i'm like yeah i'm pretty sure i just said oh my god like you know a hundred times <laughs> just on this roadway here yeah like every corner <laughs> you oh were just my like god, wow look at that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it is i dude. it's really i've always thought because i did like a little stint in uh bozeman uh working as a ski lift operator one year and i'd been out there cross country a few times yeah but like you know michigan we've got the rolling hills and stuff but you get out there and you see those mountains those snow-capped peaks and they're everywhere. It's not like, oh, there's yeah. one. It's just like, wow, the entire horizon is now craggy peaks, like the Tetons, all stuff. And there's something, wow. It just, the world seems way bigger. Yep. Way bigger. There, there's just almost like a, I don't know. There, there was almost just some kind of like energy out there. You just, it yeah. just feels, it's It's wild. like there's, you, you almost get to where you're, you're there's like, data overload there's so much visual yeah that you're like wow i i know it hits me really hard because you know out on the ocean there's not that i mean you can get that i guess with the sky a little bit but for all intents and purposes out there the view never changes you just get these waves and they're hypnotic and and beautiful in their own right right there's something about that out west like yeah could you man i i couldn't even imagine going out to like tibet seeing the himalayas or something I mean, that was, I, you know, what actually struck me a lot was anytime I was like cruising, you know, through and, and you have some of those like, you know, those big valleys, or you're going through the mountains. I, I always thought back to just, gosh, what was it like, you know, years ago when they were just, you know, taking a horse through this area or oh, they're dude. walking, you know, yeah, right. Wagons. What was yeah. Like, what was that like? And <sighs> I just. That Fearsome kind of creatures mind. around every corner, <laughs> yeah. dude. Did you but, see any uh, mountain lion or anything? Any I didn't see any mountain lion. I saw three bear when I did a trail. Black in, or in the North Grizzlies? Black. Black bears. Wow. I mean, when we were in Montana, uh, and and then, so I got my brother basically to Bozeman. So we we crossed, we crossed into Montana, and we went to Mystic Lake to do a hike there. And then, and then basically the next day we decided to do Yellowstone uh-huh. and we get, we basically drove the outer loop of it and hit every kind of major, or at least most of the major, you know, kind of attractions. Yeah. And Geysers the, and yeah, lakes and yep, all that. Yeah. Yep. And then we, we were basically trying to get just south of Bozeman cause the next day he flew out. Right. But there, and you're in bear country for sure. Basically, once you just get into Montana, it seems like, uh, especially with Bear Tooth Mountains, uh, those like Custer National Forest. Um, but when I got up into Northwest Montana, you're it was 
I mean, there were signs everywhere, like, you're in grizzly country. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. Watch out, pal. Watch out. I I didn't see any, luckily. I didn't, you know. But there were some spots where I certainly was like, okay, I am out here. Yeah, yeah, right. no one around. Although, (laughs) I'm sure that... uh, the, the rig that you had, even though you're in a tent because you're elevated on top of the vehicle, that must have felt a little bit. Uh, I felt a little better about that. I would always, now my, my bed was open. So, and that's where basically I took like a big 65 liter, like Yeti cooler. And uh-huh. that was basically my fridge. So every oh, okay. like, I would say four or five days, I'd just have to like re up the ice. Yeah. But, and then I had a bin that was essentially my kind of, you know, kitchen you know or my like my pantry I guess I would say I'd have all my like you know food that I was getting at normally yeah those two things getting after some of them noodles yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) the freeze-dried food's not bad (laughs) yum yum noodles remember those from back in the day yeah Yeah. Uh, and so I when I was when I in some of those spots though because unless you're in like a designated camp you know maybe like a national forest campground or something like that where they had designated spots which i stayed at some but not a lot some of those would offer would have the um oh like the bear bins right so you could put your cooler or your food in there those things are like a freaking safe it's like a tent yeah 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 they're they're not flimsy like cans they i you have to like get your hand in In the opening thing and like it's like yeah it's huge yeah and sometimes you find them mangled and ripped open. Yeah. So we, there wasn't, <laughs> well, I pulled up to one spot once, dude, and there was uh, fur and feathers just littered oh, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, right. I'm like, should I stay here? <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, man. But well, for well, the most part, I put all my, I would put my food in my truck. And, yeah, yeah. And, and then, yeah, being up, I just felt, you know, a little more safe. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Hmm. I can remember we we did a little bit a version of that in Australia like two decades ago, but uh, we were on a place called Fraser Island and they have dingoes, lots of them, mm-hmm. and like they got into our cooler one night. Um, but there was a day where they came out and they sort of like surrounded our little camp. Yeah. There were three of us, and uh, I think we ended all of us ended up on top of the truck that really? we rented. Yeah, and we were just kind of sitting there like waiting it out. We weren't like throwing anything at them, but they yeah. were investigating. We had to watch them sort of go around our, our thing because they're intimidating. They're dogs. Yeah. They're smallish, but they're, but they'll, know, yeah. Four or five of them. And you're sort of like, oh, whoa, it's okay. a little pack. Hold on now. Yep. <laughs> Team effort, boys. <laughs> I see what's happening here. <laughs> I should have given you a copy of uh, Stephen Herrero's Bear Attacks, Their Causes and Avoidance. Oh, yeah. It's like the end all. It's the last word on bear attacks in North America. Wow. And it's like, it gives you all the gruesome stories. Most of them are from the 60s. Yeah. Um, back when they used to do like bear bear dumps where like garbage dumps were so that bears would come and eat oh. for viewing pleasure of the audience. Okay. And uh, that just basically homogenized them to... I don't know Associate if that's the right word, but food with food with humans mm-hmm. and and just get into human food because it's so tasty. Like yep. they there was one one story they talk about, and I'm sure it was up in Glacier, but uh this bear that they this problem bear that they had to eventually kill was like seven hundred something pounds. And Jeez. it was it was like a it was like a young adult. It was like a teenager. And they yeah, were like so how is it even possible for this thing to gain that much weight that fast? And it was just because it was eating human junk food for like all probably its whole life. That's insane. Yeah. And just, you know, they get, 
They're big. Dude, they're those I've only seen brown bears or black bears, you know, east coast ones. Yeah. But you see some of these videos of those the big the, the big ones. The big boys. Jeez. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure up in Alaska though, some of those suckers get up above a thousand pounds. Oh yeah. Like fifteen hundred pounds or something like that. Yeah, I think I think that that's like the record one they ever somebody some hunter killed or whatever. Yeah. It was fifteen hundred. I, I definitely did I, I read up on it a bit before I left. Like so, cause somebody asked me, they were like, Well, you know, you you're going into some territory that like you've never in yeah you know yeah. I, i'd done some like smaller trips out west but like i'd never done this especially solo and they're like you know was it enough to get you a little nervous well yeah it was like you know so what do you do when a mountain lion is stalking you what, well, what's up with a bear fun fact like about a, the mountain lions you just don't know you well, just die yeah, true because they're they're stalking you <laughs> yeah. and they, like the only thing you're you feel you might hear like the sound of its fur whooshing through the air as it as chomps it, your neck yeah like, exactly oh. And that's what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> Those creatures, man. Cats are just a whole. Yeah. I, I didn't really think about them much when I was out there. And I don't, I also I don't think it's really worth in it. that territory. And that was the other thing too. When I, when I would read about, you know, grizzlies and things like that, a lot of the, I think there was definitely like, Hey, here's, here's be smart. Yeah. This is what you need to do. At the same time, don't let it freak you out. You know, I, I, I remember this one guy's just kind of comment of I've been out in the wilderness and kind of, you know, dispersed camping or whatnot, overlanding for 20 years, all in Montana. And he's like, you know, I've I've seen some bear, but I've never come across a situation that made me feel like, you know, threatened or uncomfortable. And he's like, just be smart about it. And, you know, don't be an idiot. Like, right. Don't, right, don't leave right. your food out at night all over your camps. <laughs> Keep a clean campsite people exactly but even down to the you know don't take if you're cooking in your in your clothing or like your chapstick like don't have that in your tent and stuff like that that's i didn't i didn't realize any of that oh yeah 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 that stuff is uh because i you know uh, you get like cherry flavored chapstick or something like that yeah shout out that song cherry flavored chapstick i don't know i don't know that i don't know that well, I, I think I think a comparison could be drawn, you know, between like mountain lions and uh, and bears for some of the sea creatures. I would consider like the bear of the ocean to be, you know, whales or something like that. Yeah. So big lumbering things. They can do a lot of damage. You know, they're probably not out there to harm you. But, right. you know, every once in a while they sink a boat here and there. Yeah. Um, but the mountain lion, I'd have to compare that to an inanimate object of like a... Uh, a half submerged container that you uh, might plow into because can't see it, can't see it. You don't know it's coming, and uh, then it takes you down. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. Like yep. a mountain lion is literally like the bodybuilder, right? <laughs> I mean, when you, when you look at we we were lucky, you know, to go to Africa many many years ago and see you know female a lioness and just chiseled arms, shoulders, just pure full muscle. muscle, a head that's, you know, two feet wide, chomp a gazelle. And you're just like, what? Yeah, scary. That thing is, I mean, and who knows how much it weighs. Like 400 it's it's pounds built to do that. Like, it, yeah. Lightning fast. Yep. Right, Jinx has, shout out Colin, friend of the show. He's uh, at random at his store downtown. He's got, a grizzly paw print that's like plastered. Oh, cool! Right there on the desk. This and it's thing huge. is that big. Yeah. And you look at it, you're like, that's not real. And he's like, oh yeah, it is. 
Absolutely, it's real. Huge. Huge. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I can't imagine. Yikes. But you did have, did you, you didn't feel the need to have, um, like a firearm or did you have like a I didn't have, no. bear spray or anything? I had bear spray. You did have bear spray. Uh, okay. I did not have a firearm. I was asked if I want to take one, but, and I said no, cause I've never really, that's not my thing. I've never yeah, really yeah. shotgun. So, um, but I did have bear spray and I took, anytime I did a hike, I took that with me and mostly because every hike I was doing was in bear country. Yeah. And then anytime I would, you know, if I knew I was in bear country, I, I think every time I would, I would put it up in my tent, you know, I'd have it with me just outside of that. I had like a hatchet, you know, I'll get you. Yeah. That might, (laughs) that might, you know, get me two extra seconds or something. (laughs) Well, and that's, I, I, you know, there, they have obviously all sorts of different, uh, procedures and protocols for what you do when you see those. I mean, because only my only experience was always black bears. So you're supposed to intimidate as quick and like it's got to be like split second decision like you come around a corner and there's a big black bear there like immediately you should start getting big trying to intimidate get big move that way it it doesn't it, it gets so surprised and all of a sudden there's a big noisy thing and it's like yeah. get me yeah. out of here what's this it doesn't have time to think and process and be like backpack well that's why they food. tell you to like just be loud on the trail yeah you know, let yeah. them know you're coming because they don't they, they actually, don't really they don't want to mess yeah, with you yeah. yeah it was more like if you come across a moose or elk or something they were like just run <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah. You know, just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like turn the other direction and get, get out of there <laughs> well the, i believe the uh because they don't care a bull moose in in the rut season is aggressive i think the most dangerous animal in in north america yeah and that's Canada. that's like what i kills read. so many people it was like you probably don't need to worry about mountain lions you're not even going to see them the bear don't really want to mess with you and if you're loud they're you're not going to see them either but if you come acro- around a corner and there's a, there's a big ass moose there <laughs> like <laughs> they get like, a little territorial yeah get out of the way <laughs> <laughs> that guy les Stroud, the survivor man um he, I remember watching one of his videos and he told this story about basically getting chased for a long time, like an afternoon by this bull moose. And he ended up having to like swim across the pond and oh my God. trying to get to this canoe. And he's like, he, he's, he has, he's tons of experience, obviously in the wilderness, yeah. but he's like, he's like, there's nothing scarier than a bull moose yeah. in the rut. Like he won't even. It, I think a lot of people won't even go out into moose territory when is that, during that, that season because it's just. I mean, I can remember we were uh, in Maine, getting close within like a day's hike of Mount Katahdin for the end of the AT, and there were like five of us. We're all tromping down the old trail, and then just out of nowhere, like a adolescent moose is is sort of trotting down the trail towards us, and we just literally sidestepped. And it didn't even blink an eye, just poof, right past us. Wow. And we're just like, and you see them in the mud of the trail. You see their hoof prints all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they just use it. The Most of the forest up there in Maine is like the, you know, small pine scrub bra. It's super thick. You wouldn't even be able to like walk into, into it. And, and you've got this big, beautiful trail. So all these animals and Sasquatch and everything just yeah. freaking... <laughs> Cruising on the highway, man. That's what. So when I was in Washington, I was up in the North Cascades. That's that's when I saw three black bear. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were gonna say that's where we started hearing them. 
the, the noises of the Bigfoot. That's Bigfoot country. <laughs> yeah, up there, I know. Man. I know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, those, those instances though, I didn't have to get big, didn't have to get loud. I actually, the first time I saw it, that, that was, uh, I was, this hike was very, it was difficult. It was steep. It was hard. So you were like, you know, you're pushing yourself. Right? Yeah. And I get up to this one kind of plateau area and there's this guy standing there and I was like, Hey, how's it going? And he just kind of looked at me and like, didn't even say a word. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Whoa. And, and then I looked up and there was just a huge black bear just like right off the trail. And oh really? He, he didn't say anything cause he was just like kind of standing there watching it. Oh no shit. Wow. And, and that was my first time seeing one out in the wild. How and big I, do you think it was? Um, it wasn't the biggest one I saw, but I mean, I don't, I just 300 pounds probably. Oh yeah. Easy. Jeez. I mean, it's big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I definitely had that moment of like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah, if that right. thing wanted to have just a, turn and run towards us, have a squirt of adrenaline, you know, Think. like I'm probably not going to be able to do much in this moment. Cause I'm just kind of <laughs> caught off guard. Intimidate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it just, you know, it was just mind its own business. Just kind of eating throughout, you know, just, mm. and, and just kind of hanging out. And then this guy just, he didn't move. Like he just kind of stood there. And so it finally, kind of kept meandering off a little further and I felt like, okay, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep pushing, you know, higher and yeah, you know, hopefully it'll be fine coming back down. But then I think (laughs) as you were leaving, you're like, nice talking to you, sir. Yeah. It was definitely (laughs) weird. I was like, man, that guy wasn't there. (laughs) Like, where's the trail etiquette? (laughs) You know, like, can we say hi? (laughs) You know, being from the Midwest, I guess. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I think, uh, a part of the allure of of you know the American West though is the the you get your own space you totally do and yeah it's you know, wide if somebody open else there. comes along you're sort of like there's there's an old uh, an old story about uh, Dan Daniel Boone and when he started uh, he kept on kind of migrating more and more west he'd like have a homestead and if he saw like smoke from a campfire, you know, five miles away on another <laughs> kind of hilltop, he'd be like too crowded. He'd be like, right. I got to move. Then he'd go further out. <laughs> That's some serious, uh, self-imposed solitude. There's right? something about that though. I mean, when I, I would post up at spots and if anyone was like, if I even saw someone close, I would just keep going further. Like, yeah. I, yeah, was, yeah, I right. wanted to get these, you get used to kind of getting to some of those areas where, there's just no one within miles, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, but um, it's good feeling. I I've always enjoyed, uh, you know, obviously putting myself in a in a position where you know I'm the only person around for hundreds of miles well, sometimes. Yeah, you, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's a bit extreme on my end for sure. sure. But that the feeling is still the same. Where yeah. you you look around and there's nobody. You no are one. you're isolated and and there's something nice. There's also something a little unnerving about it in in some ways, but. Uh, but that's good. It's good. It's good to get out of that comfort comfort zone, zone and get get a little nervous. Get the old uh, spidey sense yeah. peek in where you're sort of you know I don't know. There's, there's something about it. Maybe it's just a, an ingrained thing in our. It taps into the the ancestral person that's inside of everybody. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I think that that feels good. I think it's healthy. That's like so. 
that was probably the biggest thing I found that, that I got from that trip was pushing that comfort zone quite a bit. Yeah. And, you know, on that, on that trail, I think that was, that was the trail. I mean, I did some amazing hikes, like just mind blowing, you know, and some scenery. cold plunge freaking I, yeah. stuff in some of those lakes. Well, so that started <laughs> when Andy and I, this is kind of funny. We, so we jumped in Lake Superior, right? I think we were in Minnesota right before we kind of uh, pushed out of that zone. And we just did that fun. It was pretty cold out. It was like uh, raining in 50. And so we jumped in. We we're like, oh, sweet. And we we're like, okay. That lake is cold. That was cold. That lake is freezing. And you hit but it at like the warmest time it is, right? It, it didn't compare to some of these ones. Oh, really? Tan. Oh, dude. Well, there, yeah, snow melt and glacial. I, I yeah. went up to one. Yeah, this glacier one. And there was like, honestly, there was ice caps. You know, or icebergs like little ones, like floating. floating. Oh my god, and that was that was certainly the coldest one. And yeah. I hiked all the way, and it was like a, it was a, I think it was over eleven miles. And you know, I took my suit and this like really thin poncho so I could change there, mm-hmm. you know, and jump in. But my brother and I, when we got into Montana, uh, this was kind of a funny story. We, we, he, I think he was driving. And we were cruising past Billings, Montana. Yeah. And he saw this sign for custom cowboy hats. And he's like, we're going. And I was like, uh, okay, sure, man, whatever. Cowboy hat. And, and so we walk into the store. And we were the only ones in there. And the owners were there. And, like, and it's one of the authentic places where you, it's called Rand's custom hats and huh. it's where they literally make from scratch to your head a you know a custom cowboy hat yeah and yeah it's where the like presidents and celebrities and musicians oh like, wow. all these people go and they had all their names and photos and stuff like that anyways we spent like an hour in there uh, you know trying on all these different hats yeah and and we found some it was fun but we were they were asking us where we're heading next and we were like well we're gonna there's this place called mystic lake and there's a hike and we want to go, you know, there. And this kid kind of chimes up in the back and he's like, you trying to go there tonight? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, what are you, what are you trying to do that? You know? And we're like, well, we just want to go swimming. <laughs> and the guy's like, what? <laughs> like, why would you want to do that? Like, you know, it's how it's freezing. Cold, yeah. And we're like, well, we're going to do it tonight. And he's like, yeah, I don't know if you want to do that. Like it's a, it's not a small, like it, it takes a while. Right. Which I'm glad we didn't because it was like a, it wasn't like a super hard hike, but having been driving for two days straight or two and a half days or whatever, and yeah, being our was, first hike right. with some elevation, it was definitely, you know, how long was chilling. the hike? Yeah. It was uh, overall, I think it was six miles. So nothing crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, still but, though, that's a, you know, but there was some there. elevation and, and we ended up, but we ended up going to this lake gorgeous lake and swimming and it was just us no one was there yeah and that kind of started this whole thing anytime there was a lake we would jump in in, and then when andy left i just kind of continued that uh, you know cold plunging i guess yeah yeah yeah. any place i found and that was essentially also where i would shower you know it was either a lake or a river yeah 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 it's uh but man that cold is brutal sometimes i it makes me, the thought of it has always interested me, like the whole cold punch thing. Um, but yeah, you know, we got, a, we got a lake down there 
And you're not jumping in it. And I, but p- there's part of me, honestly, inside of my brain that's like, dude, you should go do that right now. It's a wake up. I loved it. I, I, I became, I, I mean, I've, I, on the trip, I became a little addicted to it. Like it was just anytime I, you know, we did it in Yellowstone. There were two different lakes we hit there. And then anytime I, you know, would find one or even just a river. Yeah. I would just pull off and jump in just for the hell of it, you know, and it, <laughs> yeah, it was dude. fun. Well, I, I don't know. It's always a, it's kind of a, an experience. And so, I mean, I can remember. Uh, on the AT, probably the most pathetic one I ever did. I was, I had been in the woods for maybe five days, really disgusting at yeah. that point. It was hot cause it was in Connecticut or something like that. And, um, there was this little Creek it couldn't have been more than two inches deep. Oh, and God. I tried to like shower, like shower and bathe off. in it. And I remember at one point, like I'm in there and I'm naked trails right there. And uh, I just like lay down in the creek and I'm like splashing around. <laughs> if somebody imagine. comes by if right now, I'm like kind of covering myself with more mud and dirt than I'm cleaning. But yeah. I was just wa- trying to wash the stank off me before I strolled into town. Oh yeah, uh, smart. Yeah, I mean they, you know, AT hikers are, are they kind of know like they're probably they're known that you smell them before you see them, yeah. and uh, it doesn't take a little bit. It only takes a little bit of effort to to kind of clean, clean up, up a, little a little bit before bit. you get into town. Yeah. yeah, but no, that's that's fun. Who knows? Who knows? Well, I I've heard. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of information about those the cold plunges, and I have no idea. I'm not an expert, but from what I understand, it's really good for like inflammation and all. So like, it shocks your body into yeah. this sort of rebuild mode of. I don't know. Even even just the you know outside of all, I think certainly there are benefits. It's the challenge of it that, you know, when your feet it's quick, it, but like, it's, Oof. you know, from a mental standpoint, it, you know, you, you get through something that's challenging. And so afterwards, you know, you feel like not only invigorated because it's freezing, yeah. cold, <laughs> but you know, you just accomplish something. And mm-hmm. so it's a great way, you know, to either start your day or, or whatnot. But, um, I well, didn't really have a lot of other options either. When it, yeah, yeah, there. exactly. Sh- right. You know, shower, trying to clean up. Well, I mean, you know, on, on Sparrow, um, I, my shower is, is like a gallon jug of water and I poke a bunch of holes in it and stuff. And uh, I'll, a lot of times I'll, if I want to, if I really want to scrub up super hard, I'll, I'll get like buckets of salt water. Oh, yeah. And sort of, the but you know, soap doesn't really suds up in, in, in salt, salt water, water very well. But like. You know, sometimes I would throw um, the heater on and, uh, you know, boil up some of the water and add that to the mix and then it's nice and warm or whatever. But I don't know. I think I enjoyed more where I just took the water and it's cold and you're dumping cold water on you. And and it just, yeah, like you said, it's like, oh, oh, oh. But then afterwards, you're kind of like, ah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure it's some like masculine thing, but kind of makes you feel like man like, oh yeah you kind of need warm water <laughs> you're flexing a little bit just <laughs> probably because your body's shivering but like you're yeah, definitely dude. like oh yeah i'm all juiced up now i'm ready to go there's something very manly about it uh yeah. <laughs> no it's it's fun yeah it is it is pretty cool man but yeah it's there's a lot of times where man you, you take your first step into some cold water and you're just like what am i getting into yeah that is really cold that was the the when I walked into the glacier lake, it was Grinnell, uh, like glacier lake basically. Mm-hmm. And I knew that was gonna be cold, but it was just shockingly 
freezing. Like I, I've never experienced, you know, I mean, we jumped into Walloon when there's been ice on the lake and things like that, or right when the ice lifts, but this was a whole, it like, I, yeah, oof. top to bottom, that's frozen. freezing. Yeah. Like hard to catch your breath. Like, you know, yeah. cause I would always jump, you know, like not like swim around, but I would jump in, get under and then just kind of try and sit in it for a second, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that one was, uh, well, and that's, I mean, that's the, that, that's the, the thing about it is like, you're, what are you trying, how long are you trying to stay in there? It's not just like, oh, I jump in and I run out. You're trying to like immerse yourself in it for. Yeah. I think, I think for any of the benefits, it sounds like you're supposed to, well, one, you're supposed to do it like a, you know, <clears throat> supposedly first thing in the morning, but yeah, yeah. if you're going to do any kind of uh, cold immersion, like I guess after a workout or something like that, like a few minutes, I think, Oof. you know, at a certain you know, temperature, but, um, you know, even just the, for me, like when I do like the cold showers, it's more just like, it wakes me up. It is, it's a challenging thing. First thing in the morning Yeah, and you know, I accomplish it. So it's a good way to like start my day. And there's honestly been times where like, you know, I've had a headache or something like that and it'll take it away. Yeah. Just from, and this is a two, three minute cold shower. You know, it's like, so I don't know. It's crazy. But interesting. Yeah. You, you start to you get really used to it, and then I I've become a, it's like, it's just what I do now. You're so. a cold water addict. Yeah, exactly. Go to AA for that. But I can't use warm water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saving on my energy bills. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> hey, man, that's uh, that's nice for the old carbon footprint. Appreciate, yeah. I appreciate your service to the planet. I'm just trying. You know. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to help every. Every shower I can. Yeah. I don't know. It is. It's definitely, uh, I don't know. It's funny that that idea of like, it's a challenge that you undertake like straight away to, to basically, you know, succeed first thing in the morning and then you go about your day. I don't know. There's something cool about that. There is. That, um, that whole idea of like how you face your day and, and starting with something that it's so counterintuitive, but that's like uncomfortable. Yeah not enjoyable but like you do it and it makes you feel so good after totally i don't know it's uh and it makes the the warm showers like you know i, I take those sometimes at, like in the evening or something you know it makes those even more enjoyable you know you kind of sit in that yeah you know, you're like oh a treat that's yeah. that's dessert right it is. there yeah, it's, it's eat nice. your vegetables yeah. and then you get your dessert <laughs> yeah but it's uh but yeah it kind of goes back to that like you know living on the edge of your comfort zone like doing things that like push you outside of your comfort zone that's it's not comfortable to stand in freezing cold water you no, know even though it's a couple minutes but um but yeah that's <clears throat> you know I, I would say that the bears were definitely a few times where that w- i was definitely pushing that comfort level you know of like how close are these things yeah and, yeah right you know am i doing because there was just one bear actually when I came when I summited that trail and I was coming back down there was one that was bigger than the first one I saw Mm -hmm. he was pretty far out so I didn't really have any worries about him but I was just like wow that thing is that thing it was like double the size of the other one right right but I went a little further and there was another black bear on the trail and this one just chilled on the trail it was just walking the trail yeah yeah in front of me so utilizing the highway it, that's exactly what it was doing and like it would veer off a little bit i would be able to go a little bit and then would come right back on and there were a few that's times scary dude where you know i'm probably 
you know, 60 feet away from the thing, like 80 feet away from the thing. Mm. I never felt, I I mean, obviously you feel a little uncomfortable, but like, I never felt like, I guess if it wanted to turn and run at you. Yeah, I was going to say, if it was like looking at you. Right, but it was just doing its thing. Right, right. It ended up holding, like people ended up like, there weren't a lot of people on this trail where I was (laughs) at, but. Traffic jam. There was, there was a traffic jam and I was kind of like leading it at first because everyone was like, well we're not going to go around this guy like the bears right there. So we're just going to wait to see what he does. The big guy, (laughs) let the big guy go first. Nick will do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks, just uh, stay behind me. Hold back. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen a bear in my life. Oh my God. Where's my bear spray? Yeah. How do you use this thing? (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, folks. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, so I, you know, in the uh, in the grand scheme of of the of the adventure, do you think that uh, you found what you were sort of searching for? I know it's a that's a, a good question. I don't know. It's funny you said you asked that because I think in the beginning I knew going on a trip like this because I I didn't know really where I was going. Right, so the, the trip started with this idea originally, actually, of just getting to Idaho and mm-hmm. traveling Idaho and doing this kind of dispersed camping. And I, I also had never done that before. So that was pretty, you know, it was a bit intimidating, I think at first. Um, so, and, and then it, you know, every day I'd kind of wake up and just go, okay, wh- where am I heading today? You know, wh- where do I want to go? What looks cool on a map or something like that? Yeah. And I would research it, but I kind of went into it with this idea of like, I'm going to find something like it's, it's going to be a, a soulful trip, right. Or it's going to be enlightening in some way, or, you know, it's going to open my eyes up to a certain, like what I want to do or direction. Yeah. And I think in the beginning I was almost trying to force that. Like I was, I was searching for that. I was waiting for almost the light bulb. I was waiting for the epiphany to hit me and go, oh yeah, this is, you know. Yeah, you almost can't even have that in your mindset. No. You have to like just let it go and let it come, you know. Yeah, and it, and it, it kind of consumed my mind in the beginning. Yeah, like it, yeah. It was right. something I was constantly thinking about, which, yeah, isn't, <clears throat> it's not the way to do it, but. I don't know. I mean, I think having done the trip and getting back, I realized that there were a lot of moments, like the moments to me that stood out was when I was living kind of on the edge of that comfort zone for myself Mm -hmm. yeah, in whatever fashion that looked like. And I found growth in those moments. I found confidence in those moments. I felt progress. Um, but I don't, and, and maybe that is what I found just that, you yeah. know, which uh, was enough in and of itself. But I wouldn't say I walked, I got back and walked away from it being like, you know, I, now I found I what I was exactly what I've got to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, cause I think there was a lot of, you know, I had friends and things like that and even family being like, this can be a trip of a lifetime and, mm-hmm. you know. You're going to go find yourself and, you know, all those kind of. Right, right. right? And, and that's all great. It's all like supportive and awesome. But if anything, um, <clears throat> you know, as I said, I, I was uh, I was still working. 
and some of the days that I did work and the views were incredible, it was very inspiring. But if I could have, because that was the one thing that essentially kept me back, right? That brought me back. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have any of the material possessions at that point. There was nothing to like, you know, there was no responsibility outside of that. I would have probably stayed out a lot longer. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in not necessarily in search of whatever it was I was searching for, but just from a standpoint of, you know, I think what it told me was the, the I was looking for adventure. I was looking for something to make me feel a little bit more alive, to make me uh, feel like I was doing some things that were uncomfortable. Yeah. And getting through those moments. And, you know, you, you gain a lot of self-confidence in those in those moments. Um, so that's probably the biggest thing I took away from it. Well, and it's 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 very uh, it's, it's kind of counterintuitive, but it's like you're you find purpose in an unpurposeful wandering of, you know, new uh, new to you places. Yeah. Where, you know, maybe you have a general idea of where you're trying to go. But essentially, you're just trying to sort of experience the day and see the new stuff. And I, I definitely hear you on getting like a little bit pulled out of the immersion effect by something like having to, you know, check into work or, right. or do that for a few hours or whatever. But, um, yeah, I don't know when you when you are immersed in that in in that natural state, that natural sense. So you're, you're getting just this visual that's that's all encompassing and you're you're isolated so it's just you so you're you know your your senses are sort of peaked a little bit um i don't know i i think i think those are the times where you're more more likely to have those ideas have those thoughts and and have the things that sort of bring direction to your life yeah in a lot of ways. I don't know if that, I'm not articulating that very well, but, uh, well, well for me, I, I found there was something, it was like th- three scenarios where I always found where that's where all of a sudden I could, I could just feel something. It was like when I'm out in the open road, mm-hmm. right. And I'm cruising from maybe like one point to the next or, or, and sometimes that wasn't even just on the open road. It was like down this old forest service road and <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. it was super challenging and like, Pay attention. You're, yeah, you're just really you're. There's another you're really tree. in the moment. Get the hatchet out. Don't hit that jagged rock. And <laughs> blow your yeah, sidewall yeah, right. out. You know, um, or on some of these hikes. You know, because you're really in it. Right, the view is just incredible. Every time you come around the bend or the next corner or whatever, you get a little higher up. You're just like, holy shit, dude, this is insane out here. Yeah. Uh, and then yes, like you said, like being completely isolated there's no one around i mean you 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 don't hear any human activity whatsoever Mm -hmm. those are kind of the three moments where i felt i think the most alive and i felt the most like something's happening you know something's turning inside of me that's like and again i i didn't know really it wasn't like initially pointing me in a certain direction but it was the first time in a while uh that i was just like wow this is this is incredible and that feeling, whatever that is, that became like addictive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's why I sense like, God, I could have kept doing it longer. And, and I want to, you know, obviously I invested in this rig and, you know, building all this out and all this gear and stuff like that. So the goal is to continue to do, you know, more trips like this. Right. 
but it was that feeling that became, became very addictive of like, Ooh, this is, there's something to this. There's something here. This is, this is, uh, and I guess I go back to saying it's like the adventure aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And you really just, you, you feel alive. And I'm sure that you've had those, you know, moments, right? Where as oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Well, where you're just like, wow. It can be also uh, a, a bit of a dangerous game because you, like, say you go and, and find yourself at, you know, the most isolated spot that you've been in so far, right? Say it's some crazy lake on some mountaintop somewhere. And you get that feeling and you're just like, whoa. And then, you know, a few days go by or something like that. And you're sort of like, well, how can I go further? Mm -hmm. You know, I want to, because it seems like to me, and I get it when, you know, when I venture off into the ocean, there's a special feeling when you look on a chart and you're in the middle yeah. And like, you know, the Azores are 800 miles north of you and, you know, there really isn't anything within a 500 mile radius, but just open ocean. And there's something that feels really good. And it's sort of like, well, where's the next bigger ocean? And I, you know, I've been 30 miles from the furthest you can get on the planet. Yeah, that's Point wild. Nemo. That's and, wild. You know, I, I, I wouldn't exactly have a pilgrimage to go and be exactly in Point Nemo because uh, that does your Point Nemo is uh, I believe you have a radius of 1600 miles of open ocean around you like a circle I think it equates to 8.8 million square miles of empty ocean all around you and it's it's down um, kind of in the southern ocean yeah. part of the Pacific but I don't know, man. It's one of those things where you, you find those places and it is that you're like, well, what's, we got to do another one. We got to do next. What's, yeah. what's, what's bigger. And that, that's where it gets dangerous where you're like, oh, I want to go, I want to get a little more out there, a little more exposed. And you know, you find yourself eventually in a place you uh, get into some trouble, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So you have to be careful in that respect. Well, and I think it's, I mean, for what you're doing and what you did do, right. That's, <clears throat> you're out like there's like you know the first forest service road i went down to montana and you you just feel it you're like well i'm i'm heading like like, this road is going to like (laughs) who knows where yeah right and i and i had an idea of like okay it's i think it's gonna be 20 30 miles on this road right but you can just tell that you're leaving like civilization like there's really nothing around you yeah yeah i would still see people here and there and I and on those ones I never got into a situation where I felt like if something went wrong like let's say I blow a tire or whatever like oh man I'm screwed out here right because yeah. again I'm self-sustaining right and you're on land you get a little first aid kit and stuff right? yeah 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 I think my mom that's what my mom's gift was like nice. a first aid yeah, kit yeah. before I left smart but I know thanks mom. those things come in handy man. yeah no they do and uh <laughs> but it was yes like the next time I got into Idaho, there was like a worse road. And I'm like, well, I did that one. Yeah. I'm going to do this, this one next. next. Yeah, and then yeah. it was like, you know, the next one I was like, okay, well, progressively, progressively. More. Yeah. And, and again, like, okay. Yeah. And some of those roads, there was this one in Idaho where if I would have like blown a tire, even though I had the patch kit, even though I had the air compressor, like I, you know, like I got all that stuff just in case. Yeah. You're in a, you're in a shitty spot. Yeah, yeah, Like, right. this is going to be pretty difficult. Again, 
you gonna die? No, probably but, not. Pro- probably not. Maybe. Probably not. Yeah, Maybe. I guess like that's guess part of the chance. allure, though. Yeah, you, know? you can't have the true adventure without a little bit of risk involved. I think. Yeah. I mean, no, for sure, that's part of it, right? The risk or get, getting lost. Like I definitely got lost a few times, and oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No like, better way to be found. No, exactly. Well, that was the one that lost. I think you even said like it was the clip where I just kept going up and up. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, yeah, I had to have taken a wrong turn. Like this thing just keeps going up. Yeah. What well, I thought I was going out. Like why? <laughs> <laughs> and I guess I have to go up to get down. But that was that was certainly the worst road I've ever been on too. So yeah, that yeah, was right. A sense of adventure for sure. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, yeah. I I can't thank you enough for for sort of sharing. Uh, a lot of this experience because it is it's there's going to be a time where we get to an age where doing stuff like that's just no longer really an option yeah right and you know it's it's sad it's a circle of life whatever it, it it's bound to happen um and i think if anything that should be a a prod for getting out there and doing things like that while we can yeah you know i've often said that um I want to get to a point, I want to see so much and do so much that I, I get to a point before I'm dead where all I want to do is sit on a porch and watch the squirrels run around. Like, yeah. that's it. I've done it all. Maybe read some books. You know, enjoy other people's adventures. Uh, I'm not there yet. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm closing in on it, you know, as I reach middle age and everything. Well, you've done some pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I, so have you. I mean, we... All these adventures come in various degrees and on different scales. Right. And as long as, you know, it, it can be something as small as, as taking a day hike somewhere or yeah. as big as just know, getting out sailing there. around the world, I guess. And and you're going to gain different stuff uh, from each experience for sure. But like that, that underlying theme of getting out of my comfort zone, a little bit risky. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna see something new. I used to have a, uh, it was like a three, three requirements for every adventure, <clears throat> and I'd have to look in my journal uh, to see because I wrote it right in the beginning, way back like in 2012. I think 2001 was when I first started doing that stuff and or writing in a journal. And it was like, you have to challenge yourself, you have to see something new, and I think it was you have to grow as a person or something. Yeah. I don't know, it was a little little hoity-toity, I suppose, but um, I don't know. I I think those are the that's the recipe for like a good adventure. You know, when when you put yourself in that situation, those three things are gonna come true. Yeah. During that time. Yeah. I I think the hardest part is just doing it. Like once you once you, like just start right. Uh huh. Yeah, like yeah. I was more intimidated going on this trip for a variety of reasons having one being solo. Like in the planning it. section. Yeah, I was very much like I don't know what I'm. I've never done this. I mean, you know, when we were kids growing up camping, either doing it in like a tent, you know, with your parents, you're doing a pop up or like yeah, RV yeah. or something like this was this was definitely outside of my comfort zone. Just being alone that long was something I'm not familiar with. And going out west, and if you ever have the opportunity, go west. Like it's yeah, it's we live insane. in a ridiculously beautiful country. It's, it's insanely insane. gorgeous. I've yeah. never seen. I mean, yes. The, I haven't traveled all over the world, but like yeah. I was blown away and, and there's so much more to see, but yeah. uh, I was more intimidated, I think, starting the trip. And then once I just did it, 
and then you accomplish those small steps, whether that's growth or you get outside your comfort zone in one scenario, you're like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, and, yeah, right. And shit, this feels good. It actually feels good. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. And so, you well, know. And those, those what ifs can, they can stop and prevent you from moving forward in in every aspect of life like when and it's so easy to get inside your head and start thinking like oh well here's all the reasons i can't what if what if i get in a lightning storm on that ridge or what if and right unless you just sort of damp i i mean the the sort of mind trick that i always do is uh, I don't try and cut off thoughts like that because obviously everybody, you get them. You can't control what thoughts right. kind of go into your brain. But I just replace them with other ones and focus on those. You know, if I'm if I was out in the woods and I start thinking about bears, right? I'm not doing myself any favors by you know getting spooked on every broken twig and freaking out. And then, but yeah, I'd, I'd just be like, all right, well let's let's think about this. Let's think about like sailing a hobie. Let's think of, you know, and you focus in on that. And then sooner or later, the idea of the whole bear thing kind of drifts away and gets in the gets gets shelved. And then, yeah, you're free of it again. You gotta let the thought come come in and then pass through, and just right? Pass right, and yeah. not not hyper focus on, on it. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, I wish I wish I had like a, a key for unlocking how how you make that leap and how you don't you don't let the what ifs and the the fear self doubt stop you mm-hmm. from actually you know jumping out into it and it's something that i i don't know even when i was in my early 20s and stuff i used to have this rule when i was looking for yacht deliveries when i was doing that if there was one that, and you're, you're looking at like a website with, you know, 50 different job offers and some of them are like, oh, you know, deckhand on a bubble bud and being down in here or sailing from, you know, Charleston down to Fort Lauderdale. And then you'd come across one where it's like, you know, March Atlantic crossing Caribbean to Turkey. And, and instantly I read it and I'm a little nervous. I'm like, Ooh, Oh, it's uh, like a 68 foot boat. Ooh, that's like, definitely way out of my comfort zone and that'd be the one that i'd email i'd be like okay if it makes you nervous yeah do it investigate it at least i mean you know you have to i think you have to trust your instincts sometimes um it's weird it's like a a little catch-22 where you want to do you want to take yourself out of your comfort zone you want to challenge yourself but also you kind of have to listen to yourself too because you don't want your your brain to be like yeah hey dude that's really dangerous you, you you could really die on that right and if you don't listen to yourself sometimes you can find yourself in trouble so it's it's a weird like balance tightrope sort yeah. of thing yeah i think like for me i read i was reading quite a bit before i left and i came across this passage and it was basically just talking about how <clears throat> growth and progress in life and that search uh, and that like that feeling of feeling alive comes when you're living on the edge of your comfort zone. Yeah. That stuck with me. And so that was a big part of kind of my inspiration going into the trip was that mentality of I've been really comfortable for a while and you and you get comfortable with, you know, if you have your house or you have these possessions or you get into these routines, there's nothing wrong with that. No, but they do 
as we talk about technology and cell phones and like it, it almost becomes a bit of a distraction in a way where when you push on that the edge of your your comfort zone like I left all that behind I went this direction I didn't know what was in store for myself that's when I started feeling most alive right and yeah. I think it's really easy to get caught up in just your you know what you're doing daily and your kind of your routine and and feeling very comfortable but man if you just I wouldn't even say if you have the opportunity make the opportunity to do some type of venture it doesn't have to be big no come in any any size you want yeah any sort of safety level too but it does have to put you put you sort of a little bit closer to the edge I think absolutely there's 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 something about that and there's something there that that feeling is it's incredible it's great man yeah it really is it's easy to lose sight of and so I I was I was grateful to have had the opportunity uh to feel that and and be like oh okay I haven't felt that in a while let's we need to go after that a little bit more in life yeah right (laughs) well and I I think uh to that point when when you're younger I, I think one of the reasons everybody always looks back on you know their childhood years and the early teenage years as like oh this wonderful like everything's new because it is like it's the first time you're experiencing all these things and so you have that feeling a lot and then as you get older it uh it sort of dissipates because like you said i mean you do get into sort of these these civilized routines of career job get a house do this have kids Kids, whatever get married and you get hyper focused on that and and essentially you do lose you lose that little adventure side because you know the the status quo is if you're trying to build something you know get the house and get all that don't risk things like by going on an adventure sir geez that's dangerous why would you do that you've got a house that yeah. you can, you know, stay in and you, you want to protect having that and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's not, it's not living the no. way you live on an adventure. And you're not going to feel that, that zest and that just like, what is that? That yeah, wonder so, yeah. and everything. And it, it is, I, I've often said that like when I'm out at sea, you almost enter a bit more of like a childlike state of mind totally. because you're, you're surrounded by nature. You're not distracted and you're, you're in this world of wonder. Yep. And it comes with the territory and, lust, and yeah. I don't know, call it, call it a little dopamine hit or whatever is going on chemically in your brain. Totally. But it, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that, uh, by just doing something and seeing something, it could affect you mentally as much as it can, but it does. I mean, you really more than more than taking a pill or smoking something or whatever. Yeah. You, you go out and spend a day completely sober of, of anything like that. And you can have these great therapeutic, healthy, lovely, like f- mental clarity moments. And, yeah, you don't you don't need any sort of chemical. No. Except for, you know, whatever whatever's happening in your brain when you're in that environment, yep. in that situation. So yep. I don't know, you know. I could get I, I get I, Ther- I love, therapy one on one. Yeah, dude, I know, I know, right? <laughs> okay, welcome to uh, 
adventure talk with uh, Nick and Jerome. But <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, I, I appreciate. It. I know we're uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got like an hour and 20 on nice. there. Nice, man. It goes by pretty fast. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess I guess to, to wrap things up, uh, maybe just, just a couple fun facts, I suppose. Um, with, with the whole trip. Hmm. So you had to get a car yeah. and the full rig and everything like that. Wait, I don't even know what I'm trying to ask. I think part of me wanted to ask, I'm probably going to edit this little chunk out, was how much it cost. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we didn't really get into that. I think it was like, I bought some of the stuff. I bought like the rack used. I got lucky. It was like, the rack came with all these like storage pods and stuff like that. It was like 1500 bucks. Yeah. And then I had to buy some like, you know, extra pieces to actually make that fit the truck. So I was probably close to like two grand there. The tent was like, it was like four grand. I bought like the the ten. The ten. Yeah. yeah. Like and and I mean they're expensive as all get out anyways. Mm-hmm. You can certainly get, you know, cheaper ones, but I kind of bought this one thinking that I would, you know, it's big enough to grow into. Like if I wanted to do it with another person or have a dog or like, you know, if you ever have kids, like, you know, if I hold on to it that long, like it's it's large enough to house that, right? But yeah. um and then I think I try to be pretty practical in the gear, but I mean, yeah, you're probably talking like six, eight grand, you know, for the gear part for of it. just everything, outside of all the, the gear outside like, of the vehicle. Yeah. Outside the vehicle. But that's pretty at, comparable to, to hiking the Appalachian Trail. At the same time, I was thinking to myself, well, if I were to go out west for five weeks and stay in like hotels and Airbnbs and, you know, buy dinners and stuff oh, yeah. like that, it I'm probably going to spend fast. that or more easily. And this is stuff that I can I'll invest in and I'll be able to reuse. So um, I saw you're building like, equity again. Exactly. This is yeah. It's some type of investment. Well, pretty soon though, you know, you're gonna have to make the leap from uh, like that truck becomes your comfort zone. Yeah, that's when you go and do something like the AT. Well, I've thought I thought about that because I I would say the hikes were like the most. That's what was some of the most incredible moments I had was yeah, just yeah. the hiking. Right. And not only were they very challenging, but they were just, it's, there's something about obviously just being on foot, Mm -hmm. you know, being in it. Um, But yeah, so I, but at the same time I sold, dude, I I was literally selling all my furniture, like anything. And then I was just taking that money and throwing it right into the rig. Yard sale. Yeah. (laughs) So I didn't think I was like, you know. I wasn't really concerned about that part. No, 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 not at all. Well, I'll tell you, if you ever do get, uh, get a hankering to do one of the the great long distance trails man i would i would definitely be down to uh i mean you know when those trails you get your solitude in for sure yeah um the at obviously is the most popular and you're gonna see a lot of people at least for the first half the second half is just empty because most people they bail yeah Yeah. but i would i've i've always been kind of hopeful that either the pacific crest trail or the continental divide trail are in my future i gotta get my back yeah you gotta get back to a fixed. point where yeah, you can actually do something i'm good yeah i i think i think for me health wise at this point um once once i get the back to where it was like this summer um it's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge to get back into uh like the fitness side of things and working out yeah but I think I think the 
a number one goal is going to be as soon as I can do like push-ups and sit-ups without straining my back, building that core back up yeah. is going to be huge priority number one. Because that, you know, I can remember even on the AT, first five weeks I had knee pain. Oh, yeah. But then my muscles and my legs became so strong after that that it, it took, took the it pain away. away. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, I yeah. Don't know. All right. Last question. It's the most annoying one. I get it all the time. Uh, so what's next? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've kind of already thought about that. <clears throat> I mean, I think I think the travel alone just made me want to continue to travel more, sort of prioritize that. You know, you're talking about, you know, making sure you go on adventures and, like, living this life and stuff like that. And obviously priorities change as life changes, right? Yeah. But, like, I think prioritizing adventure or yourself is like really important and not like losing sight of that. So number one is just like going away from that. I'm like, I'm just going to travel more when I have opportunities, I'm going to take them. Yeah. But I think what's next is, is at least for the rig and, you know, doing something like that again is come springtime next year is getting basically back out West. There was, I went to a lot of spots, but there was so much like when I was up in Northwest Montana, Mm-hmm. I just was looking around being like, there are so many roads. There's so much space up here to go explore. Yeah. And I'm really excited to like continue to do that. Cause I know that I'm going to keep being kind of blown away by, you know, and it's just, it's just in our back door. You know, you don't have to take a overseas flight or anything. Yeah. 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 You got to drive, but it's incredible. So that's, that's probably the next, um, the next trip is maybe uh, I'd like to explore Montana some more. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Glacier National Park, I'd like to get back up there. That place is that place Ridic- is like yeah, Jurassic I've, Park. I've never seen it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. I've heard. I've it's heard, insane. man. Yeah. And you guys, I got to see it at sunset and sunrise. Oh, man. I don't even know how to. I mean, New Zealand's great. It was awesome. There was right, but yeah, yeah. Dude, there's some crazy sights there. So yeah, that's yeah. probably the next trip is just getting back out getting west back out and, there, and, yeah. and just trying to hit some spots that I either didn't get a chance to get to. Uh, I mean, farther. You know, I, I originally wanted to get all the way to the coast at one point, mm-hmm. but I got lucky. In all the five weeks, the only day it rained was the first night in Michigan. I, I, I missed rain the entire trip. Oh, really? Yeah, which was great for yeah, yeah. this type of, like, you know, dispersed camping. But uh, when I went up to the North Cascades in Washington, I was planning on just saying, all right, screw it. Let's hit the coast, you know. Let's hit some of these national parks over here. But there was, like, 10 days of rain. So that's that's what pushed me back to Oregon. Oh, okay, okay. And yeah. I, I went down to, like, Leslie Gulch and stuff like that. But, um yeah, so there's a lot out there that I still want to explore, and so the idea would be to try and do another like several weeks out there. Yeah, yeah. nice man. Well, hey, too, uh, I'll always throw this out. Like, if I ever do a, a you know take trip down to the BVI or something like that, a little offshore passage. Oh yeah, one of these days we get you love on a that. boat. Yeah, yeah. And who knows? I you know uh, that's kind of one of the interesting changes you know this year is that. I'm doing yacht deliveries again, and uh, I don't know those. Those are they're fun little mini adventures because you you know it's a different boat. Yeah. Obviously, it's it's a small trip, relatively speaking, um, for me. 
But a lot of times it, it affords the option of like, oh, do you know anybody else that can go? Like you're trying to fill in, get like three crew or something on the boat. Yeah. I'll hit you up. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, dude, hey. I, I've never done something like that. So it'd be a. You'd get a, you'd get a good feeling. I mean, it's, it is, it's a whole different can of worms when yeah. you're solo doing a trip. Oh my God. Um, but that just just going out and and doing a crossing like to Bermuda or something like that where you get you know 500 miles offshore it's uh it's pretty cool I'll bet you you'd see the beauty in it yeah without question you'd yeah be like holy smokes when you you know when you get a calm day or something like that and you watch that sun go down or the Can't. sunrise oof, gorgeous yeah yeah feel the isolation all right man thank you so much for for sharing some time and yeah. uh Thank you. Good luck with any of the the futures and the cold plunges and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'll let you know if I jump into Walloon while you I'm up to, here. Yeah. I might have to, man. I wonder if it might help my back. I, I it totally does. Be good for inflammation. Yeah. You got to sit in it for a minute or two. Yeah, you I can't know, just that's, can't that's just dunk the, under and get out. Yeah, right. No, yeah. for sure, for sure. But all right, cool. Thanks for fun. thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, thank you.